I want to talk about the faithfulness of God for a few minutes. I want you to get your Bible. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 11. I'm reading from Contemporary English Version this morning because I love the way that this is worded. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he said, here is a true message. Just an emphasis because Paul wouldn't say, here's a false one. Uh, sometimes when we're just really trying to make a point, we really want to get somebody's opinion, or uh, we really want to get somebody's attention. We say, now listen, I'm telling you the truth. And they're like, well, does that mean you hadn't been all the time up to now? I'm trying to tell you, I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is the truth. Now listen to this. Paul is emphasizing this statement that he wants them to come. He wants Timothy to come away with this. This whole message is trying to encourage Timothy as a young pastor or a younger pastor than himself. This is a true message, Timothy. Listen to this. If we died with Christ, we will live with him. If we don't give up, we will rule with him. If we deny that we know him, he will deny that he knows us. If we are not faithful, I love it, he will still be faithful. Christ cannot deny who he is. He will still be faithful because he cannot deny who he is. Now, we're probably all familiar in this room with the if and then covenant that God established with his people thousands of years ago. The whole word is full of the if and then covenant. If my people will call, then I will hear, right? If you will obey my laws, if you will obey my commands, then you will possess the good land. I mean, it's just over and over and over the if and then covenant of God. And today, are, in this passage of scripture that I'm sharing with you, there are found three more of those I would call indirect if and then stipulations. Won't take a long time to explain them because they're pretty straightforward. This is how the agreement works. If we die with him, number one, we will live with him. Now that can mean several things. Because people will die with him in various ways. There are some people who are dying with him just because they live in another country and they're being murdered and martyred just because they're Christians. They haven't committed any crime or sin. They just are a believer. And so they're being beheaded for that all, all around the world. If they die with Jesus, they will live with Jesus. Then there are a lot of people who are right now laying in hospital and hospice beds who are about to die and they're about to give up their last breath, but because they're going to die with Jesus in their heart, they're going to see the same result as those martyrs. From every extreme, this doesn't make any, it doesn't change. This is the same statement, means the same thing, whether you die with him of an old age having lived a great life or whether you die with him tragically 
or whether you die with him after you have suffered some type of terrible abuse, whatever the case, however it works, if you die with him, then you live with him forever. Because the life that's being talked about right here is eternal life. If you die with him, then you will live with him. Now, if we won't, we don't. But if we will, we do. Plain and simple. Get that in your heart and mind. If when I go, I go with Christ, then I am going to live forever. I love what the old preacher, his name was uh, W.B. Henson. And I love what he said just as he was about to pass away. He made a statement. I'll read his quote to you. He said, I remember a year ago when a doctor told me you have an illness from which you won't recover. And I walked out to where I live five miles from Portland, Oregon. And I looked across that mountain that I love. And I looked at the river in which I rejoice. And I looked at the stately trees that are always God's own poetry to my soul. And then in the evening, I looked up into the great sky where God was lighting his lamps. And I said, I may not see you many more times, but mountain... I shall be alive when you are gone. And river, I shall be alive when you cease running toward the sea. And stars, I shall be alive when you have fallen from your sockets in the great downpulling of the material universe. Isn't that an amazing statement? Isn't that an awesome thought? That when you near the very end of your life, you can make a statement like that with a peace and a joy in your soul, regardless of how you're going. And to say, okay, I love all this, but when all this is gone, I'll still be alive. I'll still be around. Tim, and he's, Paul said to Timothy, this is a statement that is true and can be counted on. And I'm counting on it. I am banking on it. I hold on to that every day. This might be the day. Today might be the day. But if I die with him, I'm going to live with him forever. And if we don't give up, we will rule with him. Again, we won't if we don't, but we will if we do. And this is referring to our job. Did you know that throughout eternity that you're going to have a job? You're, you're, not just, you're not just working here to pay bills. You're qualifying yourself for eternity to what extent you're going to rule and reign with Christ. So this is in reference, the last one was in reference to my eternal life. This is in reference to my eternal purpose and my job. This, folks that went to heaven are, are not going to be flying around. They're never going to fly around with wings like angels because we're not angels. You're not going to fly around with a harp. If you can't play an instrument here, you're probably not going to play one there. And if you, if you can't play here, I don't want to hear you in heaven going around with a harp, plucking on that thing. Hope you're not my next door neighbor. 
not going to be flying around, fluttering around, playing a harp, sitting beside a lazy river somewhere. God, God's got, God has angels that fly around him all the time that praise and worship him. He has a kingdom coming that is greater than the one we live in now. In fact, it is so much greater that this one's going to be completely annihilated to make room for that one. And there we're going to live and reign and rule with Christ forever. You're going to have something to do. So here he is saying to us, it's not just going to be wonderful when we get to heaven, but when you get there, you're going to be valuable, needed, and necessary. This refers to my job. If we don't give up, we will rule with him. This is about my purpose in eternity. This is about perseverance. Spurgeon said, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. That's how some of us feel about our lives. We say, man, a lot of things are happening fast, but not the kind of things I wish would. But in my spirit, I'm inching my way closer and closer to a perfect state. Some of you guys that are my age and up will remember how much fun it used to be to watch old Walter Payton run the ball. Many years ago during a Monday night football game, this was an interesting statement that was made by the guy that was calling the game. And he said, Walter Payton has accumulated over nine miles in career rushing yards. And the other announcer said, yes, and that's with somebody knocking him down every 4.6 yards. But Walter Payton knew that you have to keep getting up. You just keep getting up and running again. How far am I going to go this time before I get knocked down? I don't know. Three yards, five yards, every once in a while you'll break a long one. You say, that's not what I want to hear. If I'm going to serve the Lord, I just want to run touchdowns. I just want to keep the enemy behind me. I don't want him touching me. I don't want to get, I don't want to get tackled with illness and financial problems and family issues. I don't want to have to be getting knocked down and getting back up. Well, that's not going to build perseverance. It's by perseverance that you're going to establish what you're going to do the next go around. I don't like it any more than you. My perseverance is challenged on a daily basis. I got to have my challenge just this morning when I went outside to start my car and it wouldn't start. I was outside. I was out. Well, luckily I was in the garage. I won't say outside. I was in the garage. With the jumper cables. But praise the Lord, Deb's car is sitting right next to it. Could have been a whole lot worse. We got in the car the other day. We're going to go to Sam's, which is, you know, a, you know, that's a terrible idea. I mean, any time of the year. I mean, it just the, the Holy Spirit won't even go to Walmart and Sam's. I mean, it's like you enter into enter into that place. And so I said to Deb on the way there, well, maybe this time.
we'll get lucky and everything will just be smooth. And so we pulled in the parking lot and I got out and I heard, Shh. guess what? We didn't get lucky. We had a tire going flat. So we went into Sam's and I got to stay there for two hours. But the good news was the tire didn't go flat on 112 while it was raining so hard. And I didn't have to change it at all. I just had to persevere through Sam's for two hours. What does that mean in this situation? That you keep going and you keep serving and you keep loving and you keep living and you keep working for Jesus and you don't give up. And if you don't give up, you will rule and reign with Christ. Didn't say it'll ever get easier. Tires are still going to go flat. Batteries are still going to go dead. Knees are going to give out. Bodies are going to get sore. Kids are going to need to be beaten. But if you persevere, you will rule and reign with Christ. If we deny that we know him, he will deny that he knows us. What does that mean? He's talking about here on earth. Here's how it works. If you're ashamed of him here on this earth and now. When you stand in judgment, guess who's going to be ashamed of you before the father? Ooh. So all of you that are trying to get in without anybody knowing it. Good luck. If you're trying to get in without anybody finding out. Then you're going to have a hard time getting into heaven. Without Jesus being there to say, yeah, this is another one of mine. They weren't ashamed of me. I read a story about a revival that took place in Scotland many years ago. And a young boy had been to the services and he came home and he told his mom, he said, there's a new man that's come to town to preach and you need to go hear him. And she thought it was pretty strange that her little boy wanted her to go to a revival service. But she thought it must be pretty special if he had gone and he wanted her to go so bad. So she thought, well, how am I going to go, though, and conceal it so that the neighbors don't know where I'm going? Because she wasn't a Christian and didn't want anybody to think she was thinking about being. And so she got her an idea. She got her market basket together. And she went down to the revival as if she were going to the market to buy food. And, and on the street, then nobody thought anything about it. She snuck into the service and listened to it. And she kind of liked it. She said, I kind of want to hear this again. For, so for days, she would get her basket and sneak off to the revival service. Hoping that nobody would catch her. Until finally the power of the Holy Spirit gripped her heart. And she gave her heart to Jesus. And on our way out of the service that morning, the evangelist with a gleam in his eye smiled and said, well, sister, I guess you won't be needing your basket at church any longer. If we're ashamed of him, how can we effectively serve him? If we want to rule and reign with him there, 
but we're ashamed to work for him here. What are they going to do with us when we get there? Well, this is the one that he was always ashamed and he's always denying his faith. Always trying to hide it from his friends. What are we going to do with him here in heaven, Lord? I don't know. There's not a place for somebody like that. Because everybody here is glad to be here, proud to be here, happy to be here, wants to be associated with the people that are here. We can't deny that we know him. And then I want you to notice this last phrase. Because it's different than the preceding three. Every one of those were the if and then covenant, right? If, then, if, then, if, then. And now we come to the fourth one that says, if we are not faithful, we expect to say, then he will not be faithful. But it doesn't. If we are not faithful, he will still be faithful because he cannot deny who he is. Now I try to be faithful. What does faithful mean? Faithful means trustworthy, trustful, sure, and true. I want to be all of that. I try to be all of that. Don't you? I get up every day. That's my hope, my goal. God, I want you to be able to trust me. I want to be sure. I want to be sure in my calling. I want to be true to you and to your purpose. But every once in a while, I fail. I have good intentions, but I fail. But the good news is that whether I am faithful or not, when I am and when I'm not, he is still faithful. And it's not because it's what he does. He's still faithful because it is who he is. And he can't deny who he is. He cannot change who he is. It's not about what he does. It's who he is. He is trustful, trustworthy, true, and sure. He just is. When I stumble, he is faithful. When I fail, he is faithful. When I am discouraged... He is faithful. When I'm confused, when I'm doubtful, when I'm afraid, no matter what, he remains faithful. God remains faithful. He can't be anything other than that. Regardless of how things are going for you and whether or not they went the way you wanted them to, and maybe they didn't, maybe you wanted to blame him and say, well, he didn't answer a prayer. He hadn't been faithful to me. No, he has been faithful to you. Everything he promised you, he's doing, he's done, and will do. Nothing has changed. You say, but he hasn't answered the prayer I wanted him to. Then it's because that prayer is not supposed to be answered the way you're praying it, but God is still faithful. One lady went to a psychiatrist basically for sympathy but for counseling because she said, I've suffered so many losses. And she was in his office for quite some time and all of a sudden 
she just said, I got it. I got it. And he's like, well, you got what? And, it, and she said, instead of, instead of answering directly, she just, she pointed at this, at this little sign that he had over the mantelpiece. And all it said on that sign were these words, thou remainest. And she said, I, I see now, I know what that means, that no matter how much I lose, God remains. And that he is all I need. So let's go back where we started. Let's look at the text. Let's read it this way. This is a statement that can be trusted. If we have died with him, we will live with him. Yep. If we endure, we will rule with him. Yes. If we disown him, he will disown us. Yes. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot be untrue to himself. He will still be faithful. Aren't you thankful for the faithfulness of God today? He will still be trustworthy and trustful. And sure and true. That's what makes him God. That's why you don't run to other places with your prayers. What good does it do you to go to a doctor's office and pray to a doctor? I'm begging you, doctor, make me well. The doctor says, well, I can give you some pills. I can cut something off. You know, that'll make you feel better, right? Nobody can heal you but Jesus. Nobody can save you but Jesus. Nobody can fulfill your purpose in life but Jesus nobody can make you happy but Jesus and he is faithful in the way he goes about doing that he doesn't do it always the way that you want him to or what you think would make you faithful he does it the way it needs to be done so that when you look back later you're like oh 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 now I get it yeah that was a good way that was a better way Because he's faithful. We're going to spend a little time in prayer this morning. Because I want to give you an opportunity to respond to his word. I don't want you just to go home thinking about it. I want you to have an opportunity to get down on your knees. And apply this word to your heart. I want you to have an opportunity to run through the list right now before while it's fresh before you leave. I want you to run through the list of the if and thens, all three. And then I want you to get to that fourth one. Where you just stop and throw your hands up and say, oh, yeah, God, but in spite of it all. Wow. I'm thankful that no matter. What I do. Or don't do. You're still faithful. And you come and you pour out your heart before him. It's okay to tell him your troubles, to cast your cares on him. 
He is the only place that you can do that truthfully because he is the only 100% trustworthy, trustful, sure, true entity. He's God. He is the place for you to pray your prayers, state your fears, and gain your rest. Lord, I thank you for your word. I'm so grateful for your word, Lord. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful today. So many places that we could be that would not be nearly as good as this place. I'm not just talking about this room. Lord, if we are truly seeking your will for our lives, we will find happiness. We might not be wealthy in that, but yet, according to your word, we'll own all things. Our happiest place in life we may find may be the place where that we had to live in the most faith. A time, a season that is trying, that is painful. But we find when we look back on those seasons, how dear they were to us, how special because of your nearness in those moments, the closeness the proximity of your spirit. Oh God, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to hard times. I don't want to go back to times of perseverance. But God, I do. I, I do want to get to know you. I want to serve you. I want to fulfill your purpose. I, I, want, to, I want to serve you. And so God, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. If I live, I live under Christ. If I die, it, I, I, it's gain. And anything in between there, Lord, is it's, it's you. Our lives are yours. We are yours. It's all you. What do you want? I pray, God, today, help us as we bow our knees to you, that we would hear from you as we pour out our hearts, cast our cares, and thank you and praise you and listen to you that you would speak to us and that we would walk away today so assured once again that there is a rock in our life there is a rock if people let us down jobs let us down money lets us down and circumstance lets us down there's a rock he won't let us down there's a shield there's a shelter there's a place I'm thankful to you, Lord. As Neil leads us this morning, this final song, I want you to find yourself a, a place somewhere around the sanctuary at these altars or the steps or the front chairs or in the seat that you're in or around anywhere around the building. You need special prayer, seek out one of the, the prayer team. They'll pray with you. But let's finish our time together today in a season 
of prayer, praising God for his faithfulness. Can we do that? Some of you may be a little bit angry right now. Say, I don't want to thank him for his faithfulness because I'm not happy about where he's got me right now. Praise your way out of this season. Don't be angry at God who's getting you where he wants you. It's going to bring you joy and peace. Don't let anger or rebellion or anything keep you today from responding to God and praising him for his faithfulness. Will you do it? Neil, lead us and come. Find yourself a place. Let's pray.